You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yo, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. I'm Patrick, flying solo. So the Warriors, they embarked on a five-game road trip and lost the first game in LA to the Clippers, 134-126 in a game where Steph dropped 50, 50, and they lost. Steph should have had more because the dude only shot four free throws. He had no free throws through three quarters and this is one of those things where it's not like i mean i don't want to complain about the refs i hate complaining about refs but like it's throughout steph's career right he doesn't get calls and it's funny because remember when the nba used him as an example a video of him an example of trying to you know get cheap fouls on three-point shots uh Steph started doing that because everybody else was getting those you know what I mean it's like Steph has been a player who hasn't really tried to bait fouls flop for fouls or anything like that it's something that he's had to adapt to just to get his I mean you look at someone like Trey Young James Harden Chris Paul those dudes those guys a big part of their game is getting to the line and you could make the argument that Steph should have tried harder to develop that part of his game throughout his career. And like I said, he did, he tried to adapt to it, but there's also a point where they just, the refs just don't call it. You know what I mean? They just decide not to call those things on Steph. He gets pushed, he gets uh, slapped across the wrist uh, you know, little nudges in the back, things like this. And throughout his career, he just hasn't really gotten those calls. And for a guy who's a two-time MVP and one of the transformative figures in NBA history, let alone this generation, you know, he's never really gotten that much respect from the refs in that way. You know what I mean? And in general, this game, I mean, I tweeted out, 
at the end of the third quarter that it was a six-point deficit for the Warriors. They were down by six. And the free throw discrepancy was the Clippers were 17 of 21. The Warriors were seven of eight. So that is a 13 attempt discrepancy and a 10 made free throw discrepancy. But then you flip, <laughs> you also look at the fact that at that point, the Warriors had 14 turnovers to the Clippers five. So this was a game where, you know, throughout the season, the Warriors have had a lack of focus, a lack of effort, a lack of defensive execution on the road, but they've been able to get up for games. And this was a game that they got up for. Clearly they were competing hard and it wasn't so much that they were, you know, screwing up on defense. This was a game where the Clippers competed as well. And the Clippers were the bigger, better, healthier team in this one, plain and simple. That's, that's what did it. Offensive rebounds. The Clippers, they had 16 offensive rebounds to the Warriors' seven. Especially in the second half, you just kept seeing the Clippers get you know, second chance points again and again. A shot would go up and Zubac would get it. Paul George would get it. Somebody would tip it. The Warriors just couldn't get their hands on the ball, it felt like. And that's going to hurt you. You know what I mean? So all these things. And getting back to the final free throw discrepancy, it was 26 of 32 for the Clippers and 11 for 15 for the Warriors. So a uh, 17 attempt discrepancy and a 15 made free throw discrepancy. And in terms of turnovers, 16, seven. So uh, it's frustrating. It's frustrating for sure. You know what I mean? And I think that at the end of the day, there's been a lot of stuff that happened, right? Like there's a lot of stuff, news for the Warriors. One, Andre Godala, he was going to be out for this game because of a sore wrist. It was uh, hurt on a play in the previous game where he went up for a layup and then tumbled to the floor. And I remember watching that and I felt like all Warriors fans everywhere kind of like held their breaths when that happened to see if he got hurt, if he would get up and he got up. So felt like he tempted fate and we had dodged a bullet with that one. Uh, but I guess not because that wrist is actually broken. So he is out for, I guess, maybe six to eight weeks. I don't know. That's a general thing that I saw early on today. And he's going to have surgery next week. I'm sure the prognosis will be more specific after that. But that could have been his last game in a Warriors uniform. Right. And he's talked about how he's going to retire. And if the Warriors don't last long into the playoffs, that's it. You know, that's it. I mean, he'll be on the bench, I'm sure, being that guy who's giving advice and everything, but he won't be on the court. And it's too bad because even though we've never really expected him to be healthy, having him recently has been really, really helpful. And he was just getting into a rhythm. It sucks because I've joked about in the past how he shows up for a few games and then he gets dinged up and then it happened again <laughs> and he's out. He's like legitimately out. So I thought that him sitting out of this Clippers game was going to be 
just a precautionary thing just in case, but clearly it's not. So that is a big deal, especially since the Warriors are missing uh, wings, especially Gary Payton II. And previously it was Jonathan Kaminga, but he came back in this one. And then, of course, Andrew Wiggins. And going around you know, today was the fact that uh, Colin Cowherd, whatever you think of that dude, I don't really pay much attention to him, but he said that he heard that Andrew Wiggins is not going to be coming back this season, most likely. And people ran with that. Somebody pulled up a quote of Bob Myers saying he hadn't heard that that uh, Wiggins wasn't coming back. But like, <laughs> you know, I mean, I hadn't heard it. Like, what does that really mean? And even last week, Steve Kerr talked about how you know, he says there's there's a chance Wiggins might not come back. And to me, it wasn't clear if that means regular season or postseason or just everything. But that's another bummer. Obviously, you know, I hope everything is okay with Wiggins and his family and whatever it may be that is going on. Uh, there's a lot of chatter online about <laughs> fans demanding or being owed some information on Wiggins. And personally, like, I mean, I just care about what's going on in the court, you know, like if he doesn't want to talk about what it is, then so be it. You know, I'm, I'd like to know, but like, I'm not like demanding. I don't think I have a right to know. And I respect that whatever it is, is private, it's personal. In this day and age, everybody's so used to having information at their fingertips, like literally at their fingertips, like tap, tap. And then, you know, you get a couple of tweets about what it may be, but uh, that's not real life, you know? So, that being said, uh, just thinking about what this means for the Warriors on the court, it means like, okay, they still don't have Peyton, they still don't have Wiggins, and they're down at Godala, but they got Kaminga back. So it's rough. It's looking rough. You know what I mean? Uh, right now, the Warriors, they've dipped down to the sixth spot, pretty much swapped spots with the Clippers, but you know, just on the precipice of moving up higher maybe to the fourth spot they're like a game and a half behind the suns or dipping lower into the plan so we're gonna be keeping our eye on that and again this is par for the course par for the course with this team this year like up and down win a few lose a few uh and regardless it's always going to be where do they land in the standings i mean it's frustrating to see them just get pushed around and be too short and all this stuff it reminds me <laughs> of all the Nelly days when they were too short before they traded for Chris Weber, right? They were getting smoked because they were just too small. They were small and fast, but then they got beat by the Sonics way back. And so they traded for Weber and then that was, you know, that changed the course of Warriors history. And then it also reminds me of the We Believe team, which was again, Don Nelson, a short team. You had uh, Harrington, <laughs> you know, playing center. And they got smushed by the Jazz in the second round in 07. But, you know, this, this sucks. You know, I miss the days. I miss the days very much, which is just a few years ago when the Warriors felt like they were carrying like four or five centers, right? David West, Aza Pachulia, gosh, JaVale McGee, you know, maybe uh, another dude or two. But like they always had somebody, somebody there. And right now they don't. You know, they don't have enough top level big men uh, to to handle this. And it was it was rough because the Warriors, they 
made a really, really solid effort overall, you know? Yeah. You know, it's on the road and you'll have a few more turnovers here and there, but just, uh, they got, they got smushed. They got smushed. And every time it felt like they were going to get close, it never really felt like they were going to get over the hump. You know, we'll see what happens. Draymond Green got his 16th technical, and that means he is going to serve a one-game suspension, which is the next game against the beatable Atlanta Hawks, but without Draymond. We'll see how that looks. The Warriors have had defensive issues on the road, and now they're going to be missing their you know, defensive quarterback. So that is a big uh, question mark for me. I worry about that. And it's funny, right? Because Draymond talked about recently how when he gets a technical, it's he knows how to get a technical. He wants to, it's because he wants the technical. And I guess he wanted this one because he wanted the Warriors to have to uh, play even more shorthanded in Atlanta. But it is what it is. Ready for the underdogs, the upsets, and the unbelievable action from DraftKings Sportsbook? The biggest tournament in college basketball is here. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on college hoops and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all customers can score a no-sweat bet during round one and two of the tournament. Go to the app, opt in, and place a no-sweat bet this weekend. If it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back up to $10. I mean, come on. You got to pick one of those 512 upsets coming down the line. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly, win or lose. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. I do love the fact I talked about this in the last episode that Steph, he looks determined. He looks like he is locked in. And again, just as the face of this organization, basically the guy who made this organization what it is now. He showed up the very first day of the season like this. You know, he was in mid-season form in week one. And right now he is in post-season form, but nobody else is fully, fully there yet. It's just rough. It's rough, man. You know, Steph was transcendent, you know, 39 minutes, 20 for 28. Eight for 14 from three, two for four from the line. You kidding me? You know, two for four from the line, only four free throws. Again, two boards, six assists, two steals, 50 points. Yeah. Yeah. They competed. This is a game where it's not frustrating because of the effort. It's frustrating because they just were not, they didn't have the dudes to get past the Clippers. The Clippers were playing hard. The Clippers look like the team in this one that they were built to be a deep veteran, a big team that can compete deep into the postseason that's driven by its two stars. Kawhi Leonard, 10 for 19, 30 points, eight boards, five assists. And Paul George didn't shoot that well, but you know, it's Paul George. I don't know. I don't know. You know, I saw some people get upset about roster construction on Twitter today after the Wiggins and Andre Godala stuff came out. And yeah, obviously uh, we've talked about this before and a lot of people have commented to me about it. And I think, you know, the roster in hindsight, sure, it didn't work out. But I will say that last season, last season when they won the title, 
they took a couple swings on some vets. They took a swing on Bielitsa, who was oft injured. They took a swing on Gary Payton II, even though Draymond and <laughs> and Steph wanted Avery Bradley instead. Uh, they took a swing at uh, Otto Porter Jr., who was very oft injured, and they hit on those. Great, great. This season, they swung on two. I think it's fair to be expected some of the lotto picks to have made an improvement. Kaminga clearly has, obviously not in that first week or two, but Moody has not. Wiseman got shipped out. And I've said as much as I like Patrick Baldwin Jr., you know, you could have taken either his pick or the Rollins pick or both and gotten a vet or two. But, you know, they tried. You know, they tried. They took a shot at DiVincenzo and that hit. And then they took a shot to Michael Green and that has not hit until kind of recently. I mean, he's yes, no, sometimes he's trying harder now. And, you know, this one, 60 minutes, two for two from the field, three free throws, two boards, seven minutes. I mean, that's your backup center. And he got two boards, you know, <laughs> I would hope for more in 16 minutes, but it is what it is. But I would count that as a, as a foul tip, strikeout, miss, whatever, you know? So whatever you get, people could argue and be like, oh, they should have just punted on all the youngsters, but no one was going to do that. I, I don't think there's any way coming off the high of uh, a title and like say Wiseman coming back healthy. I don't think Lakeup ever agrees to that. I mean, look how bad it had to get for Lakeup to move off of Wiseman. Steph had to say something about it. You know, maybe Draymond did too. And the Lakers had to have had made a move that would have freaked the Warriors front office out to force that trade. So I don't think it would have happened over the summer, especially with all his potential and him coming back healthy, you know, because then even then you'd be trading low for him. Didn't realize that there was a way that the Warriors could make his value even lower and trade him for, uh, you know, what it is they got. I think that, you know, roster construction, I mean, right now it's injuries, you know, yes, they're small and we've talked about that, but I've always said if they're healthy and whole, I like them a lot against a lot of teams in a seven game series plain and simple. But at the end of the day, they're not healthy and whole. You can't blame the front office for Wiggins issue. Definitely can't. Uh, you can't blame them for, I mean, Andre Godala. <laughs> Some people have gotten mad at the fact that they willingly signed a dude, took up a roster spot, even though he's on the minimum, took up a roster spot for a guy they knew was not going to play until the second half of the season or January at the earliest. So there's some debate right there. And then Gary Payton II, you can blame the front office for accepting the trade. You know, you could definitely. I mean, obviously I've talked about how I didn't want to move Wiseman. And at the very least, I thought if you held Wiseman and either play him to see if he could improve or play him to see if he could bump up his trade value over the summer, then do that. But instead, they trade him for five second rounders in a panic move and got an injured Gary Payton the second. I think they should have rescinded the trade personally, you know. But again, I have said that if Payton comes back and helps them get to the playoffs and go deep into the playoffs, then 
then I'm good. But the fact that they traded for a injured player, you know, that sucks. I get the fact that like after all the bridges were burned after the trade, that they weren't going to ship back uh, Gary Payton the second to a hostile Portland franchise and fan base he had talked smack about. And I know that, I mean, clearly, clearly Steph likes hanging out with Gary Payton the second on the bench, you know, two second generation NBA players cracking jokes, you know, that's fine. But I just don't like the fact that they, it felt like they traded in desperation and that they didn't make the most of what they had. Again, if Wiseman didn't work out, sure. But like at this point, you know, like you could have traded him over the summer and until Gary Payton, the second comes back and really affects the team then it'll always kind of linger for me, plain and simple, you know? I mean, I'm not dwelling on it per se. I mean, that's for later. (laughs) But it's definitely uh, an issue right now. Again, healthy and whole is what this team needs. Health is the most important thing. Always, always, always the most important thing. And the Warriors don't have that, you know? Availability. And even though as of now, like we don't know if it's a health thing with Wiggins, but he's just not there either. So you just count him in that unavailable grouping and that's that's gonna burn that's gonna burn this team for a while as long as they're out especially on this road trip man you know especially on this road trip but you know game by game the hawks they are gettable so we'll see how that goes again i'm just pulling for the team to get to the postseason you know what i mean that is always the bottom line as i've said if you listen to any of the podcasts since the all-star break that's always 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 what it is good sign we've seen flashes from people we know that Steph is locked in so hopefully we can rack off some wins against lesser teams on the road if they keep playing with this intensity but we'll see because we've seen them get up for big games and and uh, rival quote-unquote rival teams or teams that are up there in terms of competition but can they bring it against the Hawks you know it's, it's one of those things right it's like why why have they been bad on the road it's tough to say there's a lot of things right it could be partly because the bench was not very good early on benches don't play as well on the road the warriors bench has some youth and an experience in the sense that you know kaminga wiseman early on moody ty jerome lamb at times divincenzo just getting used to the team after being injured early in the season um even pool right so like could be like those things. It could be also the fact that the vets, they kind of coast a little bit. And other teams, they just really, really get up for the Warriors coming to town. That's it. That's plain and simple. You know, that could be part of it. I'm not saying that's all of it, but we've seen other teams just play <laughs> like their best games against the Warriors. And one thing about the Wiseman stuff, it's like some people say like, oh, let it go, move on. It's like, man, if you're a real fan, now these things you live and and breathe, live and die with this stuff. You know, it's like to this day I will talk about the Mitch Richmond trade. I will talk about the Sleepy Floyd trade. I will talk about the Chris Weber trade, the Latrell Sprewell trade, the Tim Hardaway trade, losing Gilbert Arenas for nothing. You know, all these things. I, yeah, this is part of fandom, right? This is part of like being a longtime fan. You know. As the years go by, you just kind of look at it and be like, eh, it's just basketball. But this is a part of it. 
you know, it's part of the franchise history and part of your experience from the day you become a fan till the day you're gone. Anyway, that's all I got for now. All right. Well, that is another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Patrick E. Pino or at Oakland Warriors. Check out our YouTube channel where you can watch this episode, youtube.com slash Oakland Warriors. Check us out at oaklandwarriors.com and be sure to tell your fellow warrior fan friends to tune in and listen. The Oakland Warriors podcast is produced by National Film Society and is a part of the Basketball Podcast Network. And if you're so inclined, please do leave us a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you want to leave us a nice review saying good stuff about the show, on Apple Podcasts, that would be hugely, hugely appreciated and it would be very, very helpful. Thanks. That's it. Music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time and go Dubs.